a lot of people go to relationships and they do feel like it's very complicated. It actually is very simple. It's simple in what you have to do. It's just really hard to do those simple things. Mm-hmm. Right? Simple, not easy. There yes. you go. Simple, but not easy. There's, it, there's discipline behind it. You know, it's very easy to deliver a proper apology. That's easy. It's just hard to do. <laughs> it's just, it's hard to do. It's hard to put down the ego. It's hard for us to take responsibility and acceptance. It's really easy to spend quality time with your partner, but it's just really hard to do when we've complicated our lives and overcrowded schedules. It's really easy to say something nice to your spouse. It's just hard to do when you when you feel like, well, they don't deserve it. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Joining me today are relationship experts and founders of Marriage 365, Casey and Megan Caston. Casey and Megan were the couple least likely to succeed in their marriage. After meeting in college, they fell in love fast and then said, I do. But after only three years, they were headed straight for divorce. Their relationship had fallen apart. Communication was lost, their finances crumbled in the midst of the chaos, and the worst part, they blamed each other for their bad marriage. But one thing they did agree on, they both didn't want to become another American divorce statistic. The Castons began searching for ways to do their marriage right. They surrounded themselves with healthy couples, experts, books, and got therapy to make a relational transformation. But they admit that it was a long and really difficult process to find resources that were affordable and convenient, so they decided to do something about it and founded Marriage 365. So, on today's episode, Casey and Megan will discuss how couples can focus on being intentional with their relationship and time together, simple ideas for emotionally connecting with your spouse, areas that couples need to declutter the most to have a minimalistic marriage, and so much more. Megan and Casey, you're here today from Marriage 365. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thanks. I'm excited to talk to you today about simplifying marriage, what it looks like to simplify marriage specifically. And we can have an idea of what that may entail, but I think what does it actually look like when it's successful, when we're actually successful implementing some of these tips and tricks that you have here? They're not tricks. There's no tricking. I mean, it's just kind of straightforward. So I will let you get there because I'm not articulating it nearly as well as you two will. But yeah, I'm talking to Casey and Megan of Marriage365 on Instagram, and I'd love for you two to just introduce yourselves. And I always ask, do you consider yourself to be minimalists? There's parts of our house. I'm like, does it even mean that we live here? (laughs) It's just empty. Yes. So me, Megan, I am a minimalist. I haven't always been, but it's definitely something that I really started researching and got into about 15 years ago. And I have tried to slowly bring my family and my kids and my hubby along for the ride. It's very common for us to stop throwing our stuff away. Yeah. You will see me (laughs) often donating, cleaning, getting rid of anything that doesn't spark joy, or if we don't use it, let's give it to somebody else who can use it. So Casey, I don't know. Let's hear from you. Do you consider yourself a minimalist? I would love to hear his answer. I like the stuff. 
But I would have to say, I think that you and I are, we're not materialistic in nature. So stuff doesn't make us happy. I'm a minimalist. You are more of a minimalist than I am. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would say even just getting away from the physical products, right? And the physical part of it. I think mentally, we are really trying to implement more minimalism with our thoughts mm. and just everything that we're so bombarded with messaging and ads and you don't have what it takes and you're not enough and you need this and you need that. And it fuels all these insecurities. So I think that we've really in the last few years been more intentional with our marriage and our conversations of even talking about a higher level of the minimalism. Yeah, I have ADHD. So there's a lot of squirrels in my life. I'm trying to minimize that, the level of input and the level of stimulation. And so I would say in that way, mentally, I am trying to create more minimalism, I would say, in just limiting how many apps I have on my phone or you know what content am I looking at. I think there is a give and take, a push and pull, a yin and yang, however you want to say it, that I'm sure you see in your line of work with working with couples and talking to various couples. I feel like more often than not, we have a good balance. And I feel like that's kind of what draws us to one another. At least a lot of my friendships are that way with their marriages. But I wanted to know how you guys started Marriage 365. What prompted you guys to start this? Was it an Instagram account first or what did that look like? So we actually have a really interesting story. So we, by year three of our marriage, actually grew to hate each other and almost divorced. So we always kind of start with that to say, you are not listening to people or learning from people who have had this quote unquote perfect marriage, which nobody does, by the way. But some people like to portray that. And we are very open and vulnerable to say, hey, we failed at marriage. And between both sets of our parents, there's 12 marriages. Mm -hmm. Our parents have been married, divorced, married, divorced many, many times, if you do the math on that. And we were following in their footsteps. Long story short, Casey didn't want to get help, didn't want to go to therapy. He felt like I was the problem. I felt like he was the problem. (laughs) There was a lot of pride, a lot of ego. And before I made that big decision to divorce him, I went to therapy on my own. And my therapist said something really powerful. And she said, if you want to make a better marriage, it starts by making a better you. Mm -hmm. I can focus on you because you're here on my couch and you want to learn and you want to get healthy. And Casey's not here. So over the course of 13 months, I radically changed my life. And this is actually when minimalism was brought to my attention. I don't know if it was phrased as that back then. I feel like there's so much more awareness now. But I remember the therapist saying, you need to simplify multiple areas of your life because you're complicating a lot. Yeah, That's basically what I did. And then 13 months later, Casey noticed the change in me. Right, babe? Yeah. Well, I mean, Megan and I would get into it. We would fight and it would be knockdown, drag out fight. And this one time I came up to her and was... I got fire in my eyes and she saw me coming and she's like, I can tell that you're really upset and I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'm going to step outside, let you calm down. And when you're ready to talk in a normal way, we can have a conversation. And I was left there with my, what? Wait, you're not going to engage with me this way? It became really apparent for me who was the unhealthy spouse at that point Mm -hmm. because she knew how to manage her emotions and her temper. It didn't take me long to realize like, okay, well, I don't want to be the one that's the idiot here. This is where good pride came in Mm because I was like, that's not fair. She's way healthier than me. And I wanted to be just as healthy. So so we spent yeah. years rebuilding our marriage. And then basically, I know you asked, how did Marriage 365 start? Yeah. We had all these tips and tools and techniques that we had been learning. We had gone training for. And we're like, gosh, I feel like the world needs to know these things. Mm-hmm. And so it started with a Facebook page back in the day. It was that 2013. Yeah. yeah. And one follower became 500,000 followers. And it was like, oh, well, we should write a book. We should start a blog. We should start an Instagram. We should do retreats. And 
Kristen, we've been doing this full time for almost eight years. We reach about 4 million couples around the world every week with our resources. So we're not therapists trying to peddle what we learned. This is like real world stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of people go to relationships and they do feel like it's very complicated. It actually is very simple. It's simple in what you have to do. It's just really hard to do those simple things. Mm-hmm. Right? Simple, not easy. There yes. you go. Simple, but not easy. It, There's discipline behind it. You know, it's very easy to deliver a proper apology. That's easy. It's just hard to do. <laughs> it's just, it's hard to do. It's hard to put down the ego. It's hard for us to take responsibility and acceptance. It's really easy to spend quality time with your partner, but it's just really hard to do when we've complicated our lives and overcrowded schedules. It's really easy to say something nice to your spouse. It's just it's, hard to do when yeah. you when you feel like, well, they don't deserve it. So one of the things we mainly focus at Marriage 365 is we're very solution-based. So if someone is stuck and they're coming to us for help, they would have already known what to do if they knew what they needed to do. They're coming to us to say, hey, I don't know. We're stuck. I'm stuck personally. My husband's stuck. My wife's stuck. Whatever that looks like. And so we are very step-by-step practical people just in our personalities and through our brand at Marriage Mm, 365 because most couples are like, okay, this is great to talk about feelings and those things matter, but I actually know how I need to exactly give a four-step apology or how do I initiate sex? These are just basic things, but if no one taught you that or that wasn't modeled, how Mm -hmm. would you know how to have a healthy marriage? So we really equip couples and individuals who are married because we're so passionate about our story and how there's this myth out there that both spouses have to work on the marriage. Now that's an ideal situation. Of course, you got married, you're thinking we're going to vow to love, honor, and respect each other forever. And that should be the case. But the reality that you have to face in marriage is that sometimes, and oftentimes we would say it about 50% of the time, it is just one spouse who Mm -hmm. is doing more of the work. And the hope would be that the other spouse eventually would see the effort. But at the end of the day, we are only responsible for our part in the relationship. And if we can let go of that control, we have over our spouse and just say, I can only control my thoughts, my words, my minimalism, right? How I'm going to have my schedule be, how I'm going to parent, how I'm going to show up, how I'm going to communicate. There's so much freedom and peace in that. And that's actually part of what I love about minimalism is it frees you up. It's all this noise in that space that's been living in your heart, your thought, your schedule. It frees you. I'm like planning in my mind right now. I'm like, okay, when can I have these two back? I need to have these two back on the regular because there's so much here that we could uncover and dig through and work through. But I want to hone our focus a little bit and talk about how we can implement this. Everything that you're saying is so great. And I'm sure so many questions are arising in people's minds too, just of but my circumstances are different or he is this way or, or she is this way. So I don't necessarily want to talk about the outliers or abuse. I'm talking about relationships relationships that are, again, we just probably both need to practice humility. My husband and I actually, we will all just be vulnerable here. We went to counseling or therapy over the summer because we were just having an, an argument that we just couldn't come to a compromise. And we went for three months and it was so helpful to just figuring out ways to communicate that we're both firstborns, we're both super stubborn. And it was like, you guys are actually saying a lot of the same things. It's just, you're going past each other or you're like over communicating or you aren't using the advice of, Hey, you're a little heated right now. Let's take a pause, but declare the pause beforehand when you're not emotional. And so then when you say, 
red light or whatever pause, it's like, okay, we know that means 30 minutes. And then we're going to reconvene after we've had a healthy way to process our anger. All that to say, not talking about the outliers. We're talking about people such as what we're talking about right now. And I want to know what are some tips that you have to implement in our day-to-day lives that can make marriage easier if we're feeling like it is in a lull and or we're feeling that tension? Okay. One of my first suggestions for couples is to commit to tech-free nights. So after the kids go to bed or even when the kids are awake, I mean, our kids are a bit older, but maybe it's like a Tuesday and a Thursday weekly, or it's every Friday night, whatever is going to work for your schedule and your family. I say start less and don't do five nights a week, but commit to say from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. We are not going to have technology on. That means no phones, no television, no iPads. And we as a couple or as a family are going to connect. We're going to play board games. We're going to take a walk. We're going to have conversations. We're going to listen. You can listen to music. I mean, if something like that, you know, we are going to find ways to connect without using technology because we believe that technology is an amazing thing. And we're trying to use it for good because we're an online company, right? But we are all on our phones and in front of screens way too much. And if you can commit to that, it's a simple thing. It doesn't even cost any money. You just have to commit to doing that. There are so many quick wins in a marriage because there's so much noise with ads and marketing. And it's easy to binge a TV show, but it's actually a commitment to say, you know, what? we're just going to go on a walk and talk about our day or talk about our dreams. It is really quieting all the distractions. If that's too extreme, I like the idea of just like, hey, just to try a couple hours at a time. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what will happen if we're just alone with our thoughts. And I think that that's one of the things that we do as people is like we use technology as distraction so we don't have to feel our feelings. Another simple technique that we encourage couples to do, and it's one of our favorites, is it's called the 60-second blessing. It really is a two-minute habit that we encourage couples to do. And what happens is for 60 seconds, one of you is going to share your with words, your love and appreciation, your affection, your admiration of your spouse saying, you know, I love your green eyes. I love how organized you are. I love how how minimalist you are. You shower your partner with these words. There's a Jewish proverb that says that your words have the power to give life or death and you get to choose. You choose those words. So this is a conscious choice to say all the things that you love about your partner. And then your partner would then spend 60 seconds saying things that they love and appreciate about you. Now, if you've got love language of words of appreciation and admiration or whatever, that is filling someone's love tank up in a big way, which I think a lot of guys do. So this is a 60 second blessing as a daily habit. We encourage couples to do it every day, but even if you do it a couple times a week, just to stop the noise, again, turn off those distractions and you can even set a timer. We tell couples, you'd be shocked at how fast 60 seconds goes by. You can write them down and just read your list. And then your spouse, yes, returns the favor and they read their list. And it's one of those really simple ways to connect emotionally. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And if you're a parent, you can even incorporate it with your children because our children are also marketed to, to say, you're not enough. You need this. You're not this. Mm -hmm. And so now we get an opportunity, even as parents to speak words of positivity and love and encouragement into them and also do it in front of your kids. Like we do the 60 second blessing in front of our children. They know my mom and dad really respect each other. I mean, is it minimalism about being content with what you have? We're not spending enough time reminding each other of how much we love each other. That's when I think you really can get into a place. If if you haven't heard words like that from your partner in a while, 
sure, your mind can wander and go, maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm not, you know, loved anymore. You don't know where you can take those you, words. You start to make assumptions. You yeah. start to have insecurities because those words are the reminders that, oh, my spouse still loves me. My spouse still cares about me. If you're not reminding yourself, maybe in your mind, you're tearing them down and focusing on the negative things. And so they're not enough. But you ruminate on that as opposed to the truth and the positivity. Mm. Absolutely. And then I think lastly, one of the other ones that comes to my mind is to ask open-ended questions. So this is what we do when we date. We go on a date with our soon-to-be spouse or maybe potential spouse. And we say, where did you grow up? Where did you go to college? What do you love? What do you love to eat? What's a funny story that happened where you're like, this is so embarrassing. We ask these questions and we find them interesting. And then we go on date number two and date number three. And we continue. If we didn't talk on those dates, there wouldn't have been a date number two, number three, number four. What happens is we get married. Our schedules get busy. We don't prioritize each other. And we just ask the same questions. How was your day? How was work? How are the kids? What's for dinner? <laughs> and honestly, that That's gets my question. really, really boring after yeah. we've been married 20 years. That gets really boring. So we wanted to, at Marriage 365, provide these open-ended questions because I think everybody has the desire to ask those questions. They don't have the creativity. They don't know. So they just fall into that. Well, we're just going to ask the same thing. So we actually wrote an entire book called 365 Connected questions for couples. And it's an open and question a day. And there's fun ones and there's ones about sex and there's ones about family and values, values, holidays, and you name it. I mean, the only thing that's actually not in the book are questions about kids. Because we believe that when you're having a conversation with your spouse, when it's a heart to heart conversation, you shouldn't talk about the kids. Mm. The kids have a place to be talked about, but on date nights, on those times of five minutes of, hey, we've got five minutes to connect. We believe you shouldn't talk about the kids because that will dominate all conversations. Yeah, it does. It already gets a lot of our day-to-day, our week-to-week. Yeah. I feel like my husband and I, this wasn't just because of counseling. We just really started dating each other this year and it's been Mm. so fun. We're 11 years in and we can't believe that we're actually feeling like it's a new person in some ways, just because you're, as you're getting to know someone, it's fun to hear childhood stories or like, yeah, I once time did this and this was really funny. I just think that that does give you more insight into why someone's the way that they are, but also it's just fun to know your spouse differently. So I'm curious to know your opinion on this. So I haven't fully thought this through, but I started this conversation with my husband and I will say it feels like nowadays it's more difficult to be married than ever because Mm. of our, as you said, the noise, there is so much noise. We are so connected to so many people of the opposite sex or whatever. We're so connected to people on Instagram. We're seeing what's out there. We're seeing people in public. We are living like on top of each other. We're so closely connected and not just other people that we could be tempted by, but it's also entertainment, things that we can do for ourselves to be very self-focused. And I just feel like looking to the past, I tend to romanticize the past for sure. But I think that it just seems like marriage might be the hardest now than ever. And we have to really make an extra effort to prioritize it. I would agree. I also feel like we are living in a society for the first time where it's a very individualistic mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about you do what you need to do for you. So that's not great advice for if you get married. (laughs) That's also not great advice if you chose to have children, because now you're in a family and it's not just about you. Mm -hmm. It's about the family unit. And what's interesting is if you look at all the statistics and research and studies that have been done, when a family unit is healthy and strong, those children are raised in an environment and they go out and do really good things in the world. It's actually the broken families 
that we already know and have the data on where the kids will struggle mentally. There's more mental illness. There's more signs of depression. There's struggles in school that kids are more likely to also be divorced one day and grow up in that. And divorce, by the way, is trauma. So we minimize it like, oh, well, it's it's just divorce. Like everybody gets divorced. It's actually trauma. So we want to prevent trauma from anybody's life, of course. And I think I agree with you. I think we have to be aware that if we chose to get married on our wedding day, we promised to love, honor, and cherish each other no matter what comes our way in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I think people forget about their wedding vows a lot and they're so vitally important because if you wanted to live an individualistic life and just kind of do your own thing, honestly, marriage wouldn't be for you, but you chose to get married. So let's make the best of it. And at one point you said, I love this person so much. I want to do life forever. And I think that what we really need to make sure we're doing as couples is saying no, learning to say no, saying no to being overextended because we cannot continue having a healthy marriage if we give our leftovers every day to our spouse. Now, that does not mean you're going to show up every day. I'm going to give them my first and it's the best of me. There's days we have a bad day at work. There's days we have bad days with our children. I'm not talking about those days. For the most part, you have to be able to give some of your bests and your first to your spouse and you deserve the same. And then I also believe that we need to make sure we're watching and balancing that level of in my free time, what do I do with that? Because if you're binging a show and you're watching a TV show together, that's okay a couple times a week. But if you're doing that every night, you will slowly drift apart. And that is the number one thing we hear from couples is we slowly fell out of love. We slowly drifted apart. And if you look back at the patterns and the sequences that happened that brought them to that point, it's all, we didn't say no. We said yes to too many things. We didn't prioritize each other. There was too much noise. We didn't value one another enough to say, hey, this is something we have to fight for and make time. And we just live in a society where people don't want to do that right now. It's quite sad. And I also think that... If you're thinking that there's someone better out there or this is stale, I just always think too, no matter what, we're going to fall into routine and habits and that next person is going to, we're going to feel the same way about them. So it's like, no, we have made these vows and there are seasons that are harder and some that are more vibrant. And yeah, there are laws, but I always try and tell people that that are struggling in marriage. Like no one else is going to be that much better. (laughs) Yeah. What you're saying is the grass is green where you water it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is kind of like the comparison is a thief of joy. Cause you could always say, well, if I had that home, I would have such a better life. If I had... We only lived in this area. It would be Mm -hmm, so much better. mm -hmm. And that's the whole contentment part is there is this level of having to be content and learning that. And I think that once you arrive at that, there is this appreciation for one another of, wow, Casey and I have so many stories and history together. I'd have to start that all over again with somebody. I mean, we figured out each other's buttons and triggers and in a good way, like we're a very different couple. We're more different than alike, but there's a beautiful balance. So when you accept that balance, we're not looking at, oh, well, there's someone else that's going to be better. I mean, that's what our parents did. Hence the 12 marriages between them. They keep thinking, which is sad that it's the person that they're marrying that's wrong, but what's the common denominator? Them. (laughs) They're the ones. It's like, until you look inward to go, well, this is my situation. How can I make the best of it and find the most joy? That's when you find, I really do believe, yeah, true joy. Okay, cool. Well, Casey and Megan, we need to come back and reconnect again. This was so rich. And I know that there's so much more that we can dive deeper into. But for now, where can listeners find you and connect with you online if they want to do so? You can find us at marriage365.com. Our Instagram handles, Marriage365. I mean, we're all over the place. 
and you can download our app, Marriage 365. Yeah. The number one thing we actually do at Marriage 365 is our membership. So Mm -hmm. we have members from all around the world. We have online courses, videos, challenges, worksheets, date ideas, you name it. It's kind of think like a Netflix for your marriage. And it's just a really great resource, really practical, really simple to use. Perfect. Well, I'll include all that in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for coming on. You've given me a lot to think about. Well, this isn't the last that we'll be hearing from you too. Thank you so much for having us. What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.